right. Hey, everyone. This is Brian here with Reginald Andre. Welcome to the first episode of Security Squawk, our podcast and video podcast that we're hoping will help spread the word about cybersecurity and help businesses with the challenge and the, I would call it a war. Would you call it a war, Andre? That yeah, definitely. Full blown out war. Full blown out war that, you know, businesses have unknowingly and probably unwillingly been, been thrust into. Um, and it's my belief that we're in the early stages of what we're dealing with. We're in the early stages of cybersecurity. Um, in a similar fashion as to where we were in 1999 when technology first came out. Um, we didn't, we knew we had something really cool in our hands, but we didn't know what we were going to actually do with it. And fast forward 25 years later, um, we have a pretty good idea of, of what we're doing with technology. And I believe that in terms of cybersecurity and securing your technology, we're, we're in that like 1999 stage and this is only going to continue to grow. The problems are only going to continue to get worse. Um, but the solutions are also going to get better over time. And it'll be interesting to see where this journey takes us. And I'm happy to be along for the ride. And Reg and I are here to try to bring everyone awareness and, and bring the news to you around this stuff because it is it ever changing and it's quickly changing. Um, and, you know, having a podcast like this, I believe, serves a valuable resource for anyone interested in security or anyone who runs a business and looks at their responsibility to that business as one to be a champion of, of, of good security practices. So um, I have uh, my friend here, Reginald Andre. He is from uh, Miami, Florida. Um, I will let him talk about his company briefly, and then I will let you know about mine. So go ahead, take it away. Sure, sure. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. So Reginald Andre, but I go by Andre, and um, born and raised in Miami, Florida, and I've been doing IT for about 20 years now. I started off uh, helping our, our our computer repair person at our at my at my high school around 10th grade, and it was just something that I enjoyed. And then just over time, um, kind of just started to just graduate from computer repairs to start doing work for residentials, then to businesses. And for about the last two years, um, I've been specializing in cybersecurity because this, as Brian, you mentioned, this is the future um, of where things are going and making sure that people's data is protected. So um, glad to be along for this ride. Sweet. Thanks. What's the name of your company? Sure. Um, Arc Solvers. Arc Solvers. Beautiful. And what, where, where's the web address? Where can they find you? www.arcsolvers.com and then on social media, Arc Solvers um, throughout um, all the social media platforms. And it's ARK, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great. Thanks, man. And I'm Brian Horning. I'm with uh, Exact IT Solutions. Uh, very similar story to, to Andre uh, that we started back in the days of just dealing with power supplies and hard drives dying, right? Um, and the business has evolved and changed over, you know, 16 years we've been in business. Um, we are now pretty much a full-fledged cybersecurity company at this point. Um, and I, it's funny because I know that oh, I've at least I've heard over the years from other 
people within our industry that manage service providers really shouldn't call themselves cybersecurity experts because they're not. Well, I think that's becoming less and less of the case as all of us improve our businesses and, and get the required certifications and, and bench strength to you know, serve the community with cybersecurity services. Um, so, you know, I believe that's a myth that that MSPs are not cybersecurity. I, I believe that all MSPs play a part in the cybersecurity landscape. Um, and I look at cybersecurity as, as a team sport, um, that we're all in this together and we can all work together to make businesses more secure and use vehicles like this podcast to spread the word and get the word out there so people become smarter and people become more aware. So thank you, brother. And then why don't we jump right into uh, our first topic of discussion that we decided we wanted to talk about, and that is the new flavor of ransomware. Um, why don't you, real quick, before I pull up the specific one we're going to talk about, um, why don't you kind of give us your perspective on um, how ransomware changes and, and what that looks like and how often it changes and things like that? Yeah, so first off, let's just define ransomware. So just imagine having um, your files and one day you open up your Excel spreadsheet, your Microsoft Word, whatever the case is being that it's online um, on the cloud or locally on your computer. And all of a sudden you just see gibberish, XOs, different letters of the, of the alphabet. And then there's a sign at the end that says, click here to learn more about where your files are basically, or you know, you know, go to this website if you want your data back. So ransomware basically takes your information for hostage. And now, unless you pay, you're not going to get the data back. And um, what we're seeing here is that there are different strains of ransomware. It's kind of like a virus. And in this case, um, as you're going to talk about, it hit a lot of big corporations. So um, definitely it's something to be taken uh, seriously uh, because they are now finding ways to um, not only infiltrate your computer, but even if you think, oh, I have a backup, I don't have to worry about it, it's actually going after your backups, backups as well. So um, I'll let you take it from there, Brian. Yeah, I mean, backups don't work anymore. We know that they are using um, double extortion techniques where they're encrypting the data, and, but before they encrypt it, they steal it all or they move it off all your network onto somewhere that they have control of, and then they th threaten you. When you start to kind of take the posture that you're not going to pay the ransom because you think you are covered with your backups. You then quickly learn that this bad actor is putting drips and drabs of your data out on the dark web and threatening to release more and more. And as you decide whether you're going to pay or not, they put out more and more stolen data until they finally scare you enough to get you to pay. Um, so, the other interesting thing from my perspective, sorry about that, is that um, the ransomware seems to be changing about every four to six months. Like the ransomware groups that are out there deploying this are changing their software, improving their software and improving their tactics, you know, pretty rapidly, you know, 
train, you know, if you think about it from a business standpoint and how easy your business is able to pivot or make changes within itself over the period of a year, you're seeing some pretty remarkable movement from the cyber criminals who, in my opinion, run their operations like very well-run businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not kids sitting in people's basements playing around. These are either state-sponsored organizations that are getting money from a government or from some other source, and they're running these organizations like businesses to the point where they're even specializing and outsourcing their services. Um, One outfit might be really good at just breaking in the networks. Another outfit might be really good at at phishing schemes and, and getting in the networks that way. Another outfit might be good at deploying the ransomware or negotiating the tactics. And it's all different organizations that are working together to create money for themselves and take down businesses. And I think we're going to jump into um, the first one we're going to talk about, at least, is this new one, Egregor, that has come up in, I don't know, the last, I think the first time they saw it was in September, Yep. Tell us, tell us who they've, you know, let us know who they've hit. Um, Cause for, you know, for only being around since September, they've taken out some pretty big companies so far. Um, and, and anything that you want to add about a Gregor um, shoot, go right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've actually just taken down the big boys. Um, I mean, Barnes and Noble, Kmart, of course, when we think of those companies, we're thinking of those companies in decline, but nevertheless, they're still multi-billion dollar businesses. They're holding, um, they do a lot of transactions a year. People still use them. So the two biggest uh, ones have been uh, Barnes and Noble and um, Kmart, which they did about uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and they also hit the, um, Vancouver Metro, one of their, I guess, a Vancouver public transit uh, system. Uh, and again, this this is only ransomware that has been around since, since September, and it's it's December, so roughly three months, um, and they've hit three big names, and that's the ones we know about. Mm-hmm. We only know about 10% of them that happen. So, um, you know, lest anyone think that I'm too small or my business isn't big enough, um, they don't care about my business that is not true the way that this works is is pretty simple they look for weaknesses and if they find a weakness in your company or in an employee or you have something out on the internet that they can get access to um, that's what they go after and then they get in and then they figure out what they have once they're in there so if they're going to take a business they're going to take a business like Barnes and Noble and and uh, and Kmart for millions of dollars, but if you're a business that does like say five under five million a year, they may only ask for a hundred thousand dollars from you, not a million. But they're still going to do, go through the same process, and they're going to ask for some amount of money that you can think of it like this: they're going to ask for a sum of money that they know you can pay, but isn't necessarily going to put your business under. Right. That's, that's the way that, that I see it. So what other what other interesting things do you know about the Gregor ransomware in particular that may be of interest to our listening audience? 
No, other than um, it's just it's spreading. And and the thing, the interesting thing is that you know this shows you with cybersecurity, it's not only about having one layer security because even how you were mentioning how managed services are now calling themselves cybersecurity. And that was a lot of times because at one point, managed service providers or your IT provider was calling antivirus. Oh yeah, they, they have antivirus, so everything is safe. And this is just showing you that with, with cybersecurity, you can't just rely on one item, one tool to protect you. And it's um, there's, like you said, there's, it's just spreading like crazy. Yeah, and I guess the big thing for me with Gregor is that it pretty, like we know that the trend is going in this direction with almost all ransomware, but it appears that with Gregor, there's some kind of uh, mechanism either within the software itself or within the operations of the affiliates who are deploying this ransomware, where before there's a ransom that happens, they're exfiltrating the data first off the network so they can execute that that double extortion that we mentioned earlier uh, in the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an earmarker with a Gregor where pretty much 100% of the time with, with their attack, they are stealing data uh, prior to encrypting it uh, so they can get paid no matter what happens. Because at the end of the day, like I say all the time, their only goal is to get paid. They they want to get paid. They don't want anything else. They they don't want to disrupt your business. They don't really want to steal your data. They just want you to pay them for basically your lax security practices. Um, so you know that's that's where we're at today with this particular ransomware strain. Um, obviously, there's others that are wild right now that are going crazy, like Ryuk is still pretty prevalent. And there's a bunch of other prevalent ones that are out there. Um, but, you know, we're also jumping into the days of, you know, if we look at this article here that was written, Foxconn is one of the companies that has refused to pay a $34.5 million uh, ransomware attack. Um, and Foxconn is a, is a chip maker and, you know, just like, you know, this is a technology company. So if a technology company with this kind of revenue and the amount of resources that I'm sure that they pour into the security of their systems and, and their R and D, um, this goes to show you, it, it can really happen to anyone. And, uh, I know we weren't kind of slated to talk about this Reg, but, um, it, FireEye got hit and, and mm -hmm. major cybersecurity company and they got hit. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess that leads us to two things here that we, that we can learn is that number one, um, it, you can't really protect yourself a hundred percent, right? So right. there's nobody out there who's going to put their word or their reputation on the line and say that they're going to, uh, stop all attacks 100% of the time. Um, but the whole name of the game with cybersecurity is mitigating or reducing the amount of risk that your company has. Um, so if we look at uh, the Foxconn situation, um, like we mentioned with Egregor, Foxconn 
it was basically like, we're not paying you for the ransom. And then the back blackmailers were like, but we stole documents from your network. So if Fox, so it says right here, blackmailers threatened to publish the documents if Foxconn refused to pay the ransom. Um, it's going on to say that the group refused to respond to the demands and is currently not known whether the stolen data has actually been made public. So this double extortion that we're seeing is, is, is happening pretty much in every single attack now. Um, because I think it goes to the cat and mouse game that we play in cybersecurity. Everybody got, everybody stepped up their game when it came to having backups and making sure that those backups worked in the event that they got ransomware. So I'm sure there was a period of time between what, 2019 and early 2020, where ransomware people that deployed it were seeing this. They were deploying it and companies were like, we're not paying. Right. So then they evolved their tactics and now they're kind of ahead of the game a little bit, in my opinion, because they're actually stealing this data and using it to hold companies ransom. So I don't know if you have anything else to add to this whole double extortion scheme uh, that's going on now, but you know, that is where we're at with, if your business gets hit, you can pretty much assume that your, your data was stolen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure you have some some things to add to that. Why I adjust my lighting because it looks like I'm in a dark room. Yeah, sure. So you know, there's this quote one time I I uh, read, and it says, "Do not celebrate what you don't yet have." Yeah. And 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 there I because if you guys don't know, Foxconn is the chip maker for like Apple devices and a lot of you know big companies, and. I'm sure when they said, oh my gosh, we were able to get into Foxconn, these hackers are celebrating, popping bottles of champagne, and then here you have Foxconn that comes and be like, yeah, no, I don't care if you have it. It's just it's just our internal documents anyway. And this is you know, the importance of, of making sure that you do have a, a, a system in place where your important data is encrypted. You know, So that way, even if the data um, was retrieved by the bad guys when they opened it. It's as if they can't, you know, they can't see it. It's going to be, you know, X's and O's again. So um, definitely always recommend that any diff, um, information that is sensitive, that you put another layer of security on there so that even if the hackers got it and they try to use that double-edged sword by saying, hey, we have your data and we're going to leak it, well, it won't matter because it's encrypted and they can't open it anyways. Yeah, and it, the article actually goes on to say, that the the man it, the the data that, that was stolen at least from the forensics that they've probably done, they basically feel like it's ordinary business documents, reports, and internal processes, nothing sensitive from a financial or personal data standpoint. So they're basically like, yeah, it would suck if it got out, but we're not going to pay thirty four million dollars to prevent it from getting out there. Yeah. Um. So you know, it'd be interesting to see where this goes because. You know, it's not like we haven't seen companies at least come out initially after a ransomware attack and say no data has been stolen. And then a month or two later, they're like, oh, well, yeah, data was actually stolen. Um, so it would be interesting to see if that perspective that they have right now changes to something other than, um, you know, this was just kind of ordinary business information and it really wasn't that sensitive. 
because um, you just never know. You never know what they got their hands on and what they pulled out of there. And the initial dumps that they're seeing may be this ordinary stuff, but later on down the road, they may come out and say, actually, we have all your employee data. Yeah. And, so, and I see that a lot where these companies, they, they do take months and sometimes even years to disclose it because they're investigating it. And and it's really just a way for them to um, kind of make everybody forget about it. And then maybe on a Friday when there's a lot of other news happening and then they just announce a press release that says, oh, by the way, that incident that happened eight months ago. Yeah, we had some other data that got leaked. And then, you know, everybody forgets about it because it's a Saturday or something. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the double-edged sword. In this case, the double-edged sword is, do you think they're going to leak the most important data first or the least important data first? I mean, to me, they're going to re- they're going to release the least important data first, right? Because as time goes on, that that ransom that that's more leverage that they have in negotiating the ransom payment. Mm-hmm. So they just tease them with with some some data and then Foxconn responds like this. And then somebody reaches out a week later and sends an email to the CEO saying, Oh, well, we have this too. <laughs> and now it's 40 million. Right. Right. That yep. that's the game that we're playing right now. Um, and you know, it, it's not fun, but that's, that's, you know, our job here is to deliver what we're actually seeing in the real world and give people the information, whether you agree with it or you're happy with it or you're mad about it. It doesn't really matter. This is the reality. Um, and, you know, we're bringing it to you. And we're going to hit everybody with some real reality here as we kind of move into our last segment. And that is the attacking of the home network and holding your little IoT devices, as we like to call them, for ransom. So think about your ring cameras, your 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 slage door locks and your other kinds of door locks. And, you know, you walk up to your home one day and the door doesn't unlock. Uh, or and then you have an email in your in your inbox or you have a message on your phone where somebody's telling you that you're not going to get access to your smart devices unless you pay a ransom. Take it away, Andre. <laughs> and, and I see this being like something so big because as the article is saying, you have so much more people working from home, so much more people um, using electronics, you know, using um, everything to control their homes, their refrigerators, their thermostats, their cameras, their door locks, sensors, and things like that. And unfortunately, um, this is something that like I even I remember on my nest the other day. It, um, in our office, for whatever reason, two-form factor authentication wasn't turned on when I set it up at the beginning. And now Google is sending me a message saying, 2FF is not turned on, you know, do it now type of thing, a reminder. But how many people are going to hit the remind me later or skip or not even get that notification? And it's going to be a scary thing because now it's one thing when it's in your business and especially if it's not your company and you hear about it. But now when the big bad wolf comes into your home, and says, hey, yeah, we've, we have we broke into one of your smart devices and um, you have that camera facing the pool. We have the camera facing your baby's room, you know, for baby monitoring or whatever the case is. And we have access to that. And, you know, whatever happens in your house is your business. But now that personal information is out there. And now how much money are you going to be willing to pay so that that 
information is not out there and it's going to it's going to they're they're eventually going to start to hit the home market and it's going to be a huge huge problem yeah i mean if you just think about all of the the things that could go wrong um you're talking about you know covid-19 caused this decentralization of the office from the ceos that i'm talking to that's not going to change drastically when COVID's over. Um, they see the benefits of of decentralizing the office, giving people the flexibility of working from home, and now the home has just become a target. So, uh, you know, at the CEO, your C team, you know, your vice president of operations, his home or her home gets hit and is held hostage, and they can't use any device in their house unless they pay. Are we going to see businesses start paying employees ransomware demands so yeah. they can continue to operate and and, and do business? Um, you know, that's that's one thing that is definitely on the table with something like this. The article is interesting enough. It says 28 percent of wealthy people have had their home devices compromised. Now, that doesn't surprise me because most of the people I know that have smart homes are wealthy individuals. Um but the reality of it is, is five years ago, not everybody had a flat screen TV in their house. Everybody has a flat TV, it's flat screen TV in their house today because they're so cheap. Prices of this technology and all this stuff is going to come down and people are going to have more of this stuff. Like I venture to say in 10 years, the lock and key that we're used to is, is really not going to exist unless it's like the backup option for a deadbolt or something like that. We're moving in the direction of, of smart locks, smart light switches, and everything being connected to the home. And all of those devices introduce weak points to the security of the house. And then you couple that with those home networks connecting into a corporate network. And you've got a whole new security landscape that you need to plan for and think about not only from a technology standpoint, but from a business standpoint. What are the liabilities of not only allowing employees to work from home, but what happens if something happens either from a hacker or what happens if, you know, somebody breaks in their house and steals equipment? What happens if, you know, people are in the home and you're in a protected industry like HIPAA or uh, FINRA? And somebody sees something on the screen with their eyes that they shouldn't have seen. You know, these are all things that need to be considered when we when we shift to um, allowing people to work from home. But you know, the big thing is for me is is that um, you know, in security, we have to take time to be professional about planning for uh, a network security and 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 planning it out correctly making sure that everything is done with a security focus when you set up a business's network that's not happening in the home um, and what happens in the home is somebody sets that network up um, and they're also responsible for the kids in the house um, you know, all the distractions that come with being at home, you got to make lunch, you got, you know, Amazon drivers knocking at the door. Um, and that all leads to 
to in my opinion, to the person in the home just missing something, just being so busy with their day that they forget to log on to the VPN or, you know, something happens where they create some kind of a security risk uh, to the business that originates from the home. So if there's, you know, this is a new kind of security twist to what we're seeing out there in that, you know, the whole home, all these devices that you have can become hostage. You can be held hostage and you're going to have to pay to be able to use your house again, which is absolutely insane if you think about it. But, um, and, and I don't want anyone to think that we're kind of, um, this is like a pipe dream. This is actually going to be a problem in the next, probably in 2021, where yeah. they're going to hit these homes. So, yeah, I, I was actually talking to one of our customers about something similar to this. And, you know, he kind of said, Andre, you know, I think you're getting a little too much, too paranoid. I think you're getting a too little, like, you know, oh, the world's about to end type of thing. But I mean, 28% of wealthy people, and I have a suspicion that whatever this uh, this uh, uh, attacker is doing right now in that 28%, a lot of them are just sitting there. They're waiting for those vulnerabilities to happen on the laptop, to happen on something, because even one of the largest cable uh, companies, um, they had uh, one of the remotes that they use had an issue where hackers were able to get into the remote and then listen into the conversation. So if you're doing a telehealth and you're a doctor and you're working from home or you're talking up, you're in business, a C-level, and you're talking about a big deal, and here you have the remote in your living room that's just sitting there, and now you have someone listening to that, they can then use that against you. They can say, hey, we're going to leak this or we're going to send this over to your competitor. Let them know about your trade secrets. Let them know about your, you know, your 2021 plans or whatever. And and it's going to it's going to happen. And it's happening already, as that, that other article said. Yeah, I think I think it's important to point out to people that I, you know, there, there might be a major misconception about how hacks actually go down. It's not that. It's not that somebody gets into your network and then they're in and then they try to do as much damage as they can as soon as they get in there. They're, the, the way the technology basically works in the majority of cases is they get into your network and they'll try everything that they can to stay there for as long as they can. Mm -hmm. And there's software. And if you've ever heard of TrickBot or botnets, there's these these. Uh, automated computer crawlers or and and bot bot networks that you know can be set up to report back to a server that says, well, hey, that when you got in when you got into this network, there were no vulnerabilities, but now there's this one or two or three vulnerabilities, and then the cyber criminal gets that alert from his server, and then he goes into your network and starts trying to use tools like Nmap, things like that, to get into your devices and take control of them. So you might not think that you have a problem right now because you don't see or notice anything going on, but you may, worry, you may very well have a home network that's infected, but they just have nothing to exploit at this time. It doesn't mean that you won't have a device that eventually has an exploit or you will introduce a device that has uh, an, a, a vulnerability that's exploitable on it. So um, 
I know that was a little technical, but I think it's important that people know that it's it's not a get in there, see what we can get in and then get out and then they never re revisit that network ever again. It, it's quite the opposite. They they download you know a, a dropper or some kind of Trojan on the network and they can keep that there as long as you don't figure out how to remove it. Uh, if you don't, if you're not even scanning for it or looking for it or have endpoint protection that can tell you that, that this is here or you're not actively updating the firmware of all your internet devices, your light switches, your cameras, your TVs, you're, you're going to be susceptible to, to these kinds of things. Um, it's just the nature nature of the beast. And as, as the article points out, when you set up a home network, you're effectively the IT support for that network. Mm-hmm. So. And, and and not to get a rabbit hole, I know we're, we're limited on time here, but what, what does now the audience who's listening to this and says, wow, my IT company is managing all of our, our corporate stuff, but what about our C-level? What, you know, so they're, they're, they're out, you know, they're taking their devices home now. So how are they like, so who's protecting them at home or how is that going to work? Because it's kind of like having, you know, the front of the house all secure, but then all the thief has to do is say, okay, well, I know I can't get into their office building. Let me just follow the CEO home, see where he is. And let me just go in that way. A thousand percent. <laughs> you know, it happens all the time. And, and you're, you're, you know, the, you know, you, it, it could be, it doesn't have to be a, cyber criminal halfway around the world either. I mean, realistically, you could have maybe a kid that lives next door who has a Wi-Fi hacking device and he's just able to do the things he can do using the tools that are out there for Wi-Fi hacking. And he's able to just sit in his house and and cause havoc on, on your network or sell access to your network mm-hmm. because that's a big market. Hey, I have access to my neighbor who is the CEO of this major fortune 500 company. Um, and this kid just sold access to your home network. And now you got actual professional criminal hackers who are trying to not only see if they can get anything off your home network, but they'll, they'll penetrate your work network. So fun stuff that we're dealing with here. And I I hope everyone uh, was enlightened by our, our talk today and, and what we've brought to the table. Um, I know that, you know, the stuff that we're talking about is literally articles that that we've pulled that were written probably within the last 72 hours. Um, so that's how quick this stuff is changing. Uh, Andre and I look forward to bringing you um, at least one podcast a week, depending on how the, the show goes. We may end up ramping that up to a little bit more. We also have plans to bring in um, some guests uh, interviewees uh, from all walks of, of life, not just tech, but business and, uh, and other areas um, that we feel are interesting and can add to um, really the, this business channel that we're, we're building for to bring and promote awareness around cybersecurity. So um, I thank you. Andre, thanks you. We'll see you all next time. Take care, everyone.